Hey everyone, welcome back to The Haunted Corner. I'm Ashton. I hope you're all having a great week so far. Today, I have a shorty, but a goodie for you. If you're a Patreon supporter, you had access to this episode a few months ago. Thank you for your continued support of the show. Today, I'm going to weave you a tale about a man named George Parrott, also known as Big Nose George, a man whose death was as interesting, if not more so, than his life. Let's get into it. George Parrott was born on March 20th, 1834 in France. He eventually made his way to the U.S. and settled in Wyoming, and that is when his infamy began. Along the way, George met up with some like-minded folks, led by a man named Sim Jan. The outlaws were active in the Powder River country of Wyoming, robbing pay wagons and stagecoaches of cash shipments and relieving passengers of their money and jewelry. The gang also included Frank McKinney, Joe Manus, Jack Campbell, John Wells, Tom Reed, Frank Toll, and Dutch Charlie Burress. In August of 1878, the outlaws planned a theft from the Union Pacific Railroad near Como, Wyoming. At that time, the UPRR carried cash via a pay car each month for its own company payroll. The bandits reportedly loosened a spike in the rails, wrapped it with telegraph wire, and hid in the sagebrush, planning to tug the spike and dislodge the rails to derail the train so they could make off with the money that was on board. While the men hid in the bushes waiting for the train to come along, their plan was foiled when a sharp-eyed train employee noticed the loose spike. While the crewmen repaired the track, a railroad foreman rode ahead to stop the approaching train and informed the law that the rails had been tampered with. Knowing their plan had been thwarted, they could do nothing but watch as the track was repaired and then they eventually rode off. George and his men fled about 25 miles southwest of where they committed their crime to Rattlesnake Canyon. What they didn't know is that they were being followed. Carbon County Sheriff's Deputy Robert Whittlefield and Union Pacific Detective Henry Vincent had been tracking the bandits. And when they arrived at Rattlesnake Canyon, they were ambushed by the bandits. Whittlefield was shot in the face. Vincent tried to escape but was shot before he made it out of the canyon. The gang took each man's weapon and one of their horses before covering up the bodies and fleeing the area. The murder of the lawmen was quickly discovered and a reward for the capture of the murderers was quickly set at $10,000 and eventually raised to $20,000, which is a lot of money for 1878. The bandits evaded capture for a bit until early 1879 when George Parrott and his gang planned yet another robbery, this time of a prosperous local merchant named Morris Kahn. And this wasn't a typical robbery. Morris was traveling with a military convoy containing 15 soldiers as he accompanied the military paymaster's wagon train from nearby Fort Keogh to Bismarck, Dakota Territory. Morris was traveling to the east on a purchasing errand. The soldiers were headed to the Northern Pacific Railroad to retrieve funds to be distributed at the fort. The bandits were decked out in masks as they waited at a turn in the trail where they captured the soldiers as well as Morris, and he was allegedly robbed of thousands of dollars that day. 
The outlaws continued to elude capture, but not for long. Dutch Charlie was captured in early 1879. He was being transported from Laramie to Rollins for trial when the locomotive stopped for coal and water at Carbon. While there, a mob boarded the train, drug Dutch off the train, and hung him from a telegraph pole. Because Deputy Widowfield had been buried in the Carbon Cemetery, they didn't think that Dutch Charlie was worthy of being buried there as well, so his unmarked grave is located outside of the cemetery grounds. Not long after, Big Nose George was seen in Miles City, drunk and bragging about his crimes, including the murders of Robert Widowfield and Henry Vincent. Well, someone who overheard George sent a telegraph to Carbon County Sheriff's James Rankin. He loaded up and headed to Miles City, where he apprehended George and brought him back to Wyoming. On September 13th of 1880, Big Nose George was arraigned in Rollins. He told his lawyer his name was George Francis Warden and said he was born in April of 1843 in Dayton, Ohio. The first plea that George entered was a guilty one. He then changed his plea to not guilty, then back to guilty after the jury was sworn in. A motion was filed for arrest of judgment and sentencing, and the court took this under advisement but denied the motion on December 15th of 1880. At that time, death by hanging was the punishment for those found guilty of murder, and Big Nose George was sentenced to hang on April 2nd of 1881. But 10 days before his scheduled execution, on March 22nd of 1881, George managed to get his leg shackles off by sawing through the rivets with a pocket knife. He then took the shackles and beat Sheriff James Rankin over the head with them. Sheriff Rankin's wife, Rita, Rita Rankin, heard the commotion, grabbed her husband's gun, fired it into the air, and closed the outside door, preventing George's escape and forcing him back to his cell. So she was a badass. When news of George's escape attempt spread, a group of incensed people made their way to the jail. George's hands were tied behind his back and a rope was secured over his head. The mob made him stand on an empty kerosene barrel and tossed a rope over the crossbar of the telegraph pole, but the rope broke and George fell to the ground. He begged them to shoot him instead, but they replaced the rope, made him climb a 12-foot ladder, and then in front of a reported 200 people, Big Nose George was hanged to death. So that's the end of the story, right? No. No, it is not. After no one came forward to claim the body, Dr. John Osborne, who had been asked to be present during the hanging to ensure the outlaw had died, and a Union Pacific Railroad physician and surgeon, Thomas McGee, claimed the corpse for medical study. It was common practice at the time for outlaws and criminals to have their brains removed and analyzed for any deviant characteristics. During the process of this medical study, Big Nose George's skull was cut into two pieces. Thomas McGee gave the top half to his protege, Lillian Heath, who later became Wyoming's first female physician. The lower half was buried in a whiskey barrel with the rest of the outlaw's bones. Dr. Osborne began removing George's flesh. 
He created a death mask. He then removed the skin from the dead man's thighs and chest, which he sent to a tannery in Denver with a specific set of instructions. He wanted them to use the skin, including the dead man's nipples, to make him a pair of shoes and a medicine bag. Unfortunately, when Dr. Osborne received the shoes, they were without nipples, but he still proudly wore them. Some even claim that Dr. Osborne wore the shoes to his inauguration as governor, but that hasn't been proven. We're going to say it happened, though. The incident was almost completely forgotten until May 11th, 1950, when construction workers excavating for a new building on Cedar Street unearthed a whiskey barrel filled with bones. The location was behind the building that had served as Dr. McGee's office years before. Inside the barrel were numerous human bones, including a skull with the top sawed off. As we remember, the top of the skull was given to Lily Heath. So at that time, the skull halves were briefly reunited and then split up again. The skull cap is now housed at the Union Pacific Railroad Museum in Council Bluffs, Iowa, and the lower half of the skull is displayed at the Carbon County Museum in Rollins. Renowned forensic anthropologist George Gill and Wyoming State archaeologist Mark Miller reunited the halves of Big Nose George's skull in 1995 when they worked on a study of frontier violence with the University of Wyoming graduate student Christy McMahon. The study confirmed that the skin on Osborne's shoes was indeed human, but the shoes and a small piece of skin on the skull cap couldn't be tested biochemically because it would have destroyed them. George Gill hoped to match the skin on the shoes to the skin to the skin on the skull and to prove that the skin did indeed belong to the man known as Big Nose George, but as of today, there has still been no DNA match. Today, the Carbon County Museum in Rollins, Wyoming, proudly displays Big Nose George's death mask, the lower half of his skull, and the infamous shoes said to be made of the outlaw's skin. And that is the wild story of the life and death of George Parrott, a.k.a. Big Nose George. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I love that doctor who just decided, you know what, this guy kind of sucked and nobody claimed his body. Let's make some shoes out of his nipples. I love it. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Let me know what you think. The sources for today's episode will be listed on the blog post for the episode at www.thehauntedcorner.com. That'll be linked in the show notes. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok. If you're enjoying the podcast and would like to share your support, head over to Patreon. There you'll have access to exclusive Patreon-only episodes like this one, early and ad-free access to the regular episodes, plus a lot more. Until next time, be kind and take care of yourselves, and we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye.